And there ends the reading, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 and verses 13 to 25. If you were in Sunday school today, you heard me give more of an expository discussion of some of these verses. I want to use them this morning now in the sermon as a source for raising the question, which way America? And at the time that this question is raised, for any who may hear this later, we face a crossroads. I guess in some sense we've always faced a crossroads in these United States, but perhaps more so dramatically than at any other time in the past 150 or 200 years. And I want to raise that question in light of what Paul says here regarding freedom and liberty and responsibility on this July 4th weekend, 2022. There's a popular story about a husband and wife who were discussing having their living wills. And the husband was adamant about his desires. He said, just so you know, I would never want to live in a vegetative state dependent on some machine and fluids from a bottle. If I ever get to that point, I want you just to pull the plug. Well, his wife thought for a moment, and she got up and unplugged the TV set and threw out all the beer. Where, where are we headed, both as a civilization and as a society, if we can even use those terms to describe these United States anymore? It's an appropriate question, as I said, on this July 4th weekend. By the way, do you know what, I'm guessing probably most of you do, but many Americans have no idea what famous event we really are commemorating This weekend, on July 4th, according to Paul, Christ has set us free, and so we ask, what is it that makes us free? Just because we live in a, well, I don't think we can call it a free country anymore, but even if we did call it that, that doesn't make us free. The Declaration of Independence, which is what we commemorate the signing of on July 4th, begins with these well-known words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is what July 4th is meant to commemorate, as I just said. Now, it seems to me that there has been too much phony patriotism and misplaced patriotism in our society. And this isn't just a recent problem. But despite that, the fact is that our founders wisely built our liberty on biblical principles. And so they believe freedom comes to us from God Almighty. Freedom is not something given to us by the Constitution. The Constitution cannot save this country. And it's high time so-called conservative Christians, get that into their heads. The Constitution is vitally important. It is procedural law about how our founding fathers said we should operate. But the foundation of the Constitution is God's law. Freedom is most certainly not something that's granted to us by the government. That's what many people think today. They've been propagandized by public and government schools to think that way and by the media. On the other hand, we might need to soften our celebrations, even if we do understand it, with this bit of a caution. As Paul says, with freedom comes responsibility. James Madison, 
one of the main authors of our U.S. Constitution, once said this, quoting him. He said, we have staked the whole future of American civilization not on the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of each of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. In other words, Madison believed that we are not set at liberty to pursue selfish ends. Our independence should not make us decadent. This is exactly what Paul is saying in Galatians 5. Listen again to what he says in verse 13. This is from the ESV translation. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, Paul was a man who knew what it meant to be set free or to be free because he lived part of his life in chains and behind prison bars. But he still knew more freedom than perhaps most of us will ever know. Because he knew that in God's great plan, there is a direct link between freedom and responsibility. Now, since human beings populate both the church and the government and the state and society, that caution applies in all of these places. What is true of the church is true of the nation. Freedom demands responsibility and civility as defined by God's law. So again, on this July 4th weekend, let's commemorate Bible-based freedom and responsibility. And I want to say something from the Scriptures about both those things. And here's the first concerning freedom, the first point I want to make. Paul was a champion of liberty. He traveled through the Roman Empire, planting churches, and the Galatian church was sort of ground zero in that matter. It was there in the, what would be the middle of the Roman Empire that that message of Christian freedom was vigorously opposed, but not by the Romans. Here's what happened. During Paul's missionary journeys, he founded several of these churches in what is today the, the modern nation of Turkey. And there were both Jews and Gentiles in those churches, and they were all converts of Paul's ministry and teaching. And the essence of Paul's message to them can be found in an earlier chapter, which we did not read, but I'm going to read it to you now. Chapter 2, verse 16. Listen to what he says. And we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Now, there were some Jewish believers who thought that Paul went too far. And let me just qualify this. Because, as I said in the Sunday school class, a lot of people use these words to promote antinomianism, that, that we have no obligation to obey God's law. Paul is contrasting the false, erroneous teachings of the Pharisees who believed that we are justified by keeping the law. And for them, that, means, that meant being circumcised. If you're circumcised, that's it. You're, you're part of God's family. You're in. It doesn't matter whether you had anything to do with the rest of the law. That was their attitude. Paul was opposing justification by circumcision or justification by keeping the rules of the Pharisees because that's what they taught. And he says, nobody's going to be made right to God by that way. We're made right by faith in Christ Jesus. By grace through faith, we have been saved. So these Jewish believers who are in the church at Galatia and these other places... They, they follow Paul around to the churches that he's planted, 
And as soon as he leaves, they come in and they tell all of these new converts that Paul, you know, he's half right with what he's telling you. And they proceed to instruct them to observe certain of these ceremonial practices of the Older Testament, really more of the Talmud. They convinced some of these believers that they were bound by the traditions, the Talmudic traditions of the Pharisees. The Talmud is a collection of extra outside the Bible teachings that were put together by the Pharisees over the many, many centuries, especially during their captivity in Babylon. Nothing wrong with commentary and seeking to understand the teachings, what in their case, what they call the Hebrew Bible, the Older Testament. But you see what's happened, and what happened even in the time of Jesus, is that those teachings had achieved a higher status than the divinely inspired, inerrant word of God itself. And that remains the case today with the Jews. They hold the Talmud this collection of commentaries and observations by various rabbis over the centuries as equal authority with what we call the Bible. Paul's response to these people in his day, they they came to be known generically as Judaizers, was that the book of Galatians was produced. That's what we have in the Bible. That's why we have this book. And his abrupt warnings to his followers has really resounded down through the ages. He says, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, and he means here, if you're doing that on the assumption that what the Jews are telling you is correct, that you've got to have this procedure in order to be justified, he says, if you're doing that, then you're obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, and you have fallen away from grace. Now, that is a drastic and bold claim, but he means business. And my friends, so too, the founders of our once great nation were just as serious about their political and religious freedom. In fact, they didn't make any distinction between political freedom and religious freedom, in my estimation at least. That is why the Declaration of Independence says that liberty is a right Endowed not by nature, but by God. That is a a crucially important thing to understand today. Because there's a certain segment of the so-called conservative community. And you'll hear this if you watch enough of the Fox News and all the rest of it. You know, they'll talk about natural law. We need to get back to natural law. Friends, anybody who talks that way, you probably need to run the other direction. Because although it may sound good on the surface the way they explain it, in essence, it comes down to something other than we are justified, that we are given our liberty by God. And it really contradicts the the Declaration of Independence itself, leave alone Scripture. Because they said, nature's God. This isn't natural law. This is God's law. And that declaration, that we are endowed by our Creator, God Almighty, the God of Scripture, with inalienable rights, that set the tone of how seriously Americans used to take their freedom. I'm afraid, however, that despite what we say with our mouths, many of us have been all too quick to toss aside those freedoms, especially in the past couple of years. Most of you know, I guess, I don't know, who knows if they still teach this in the government schools, but if you've been homeschooled, go to Christian school, if you study American history, you know about Patrick Henry. 
Patrick Henry, of course, is famous for the quote that just about everybody remembers, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Thomas Jefferson, with a bit of humor and absolute seriousness, though, said, were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without the news media or a news media without the government, I would not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. Now, that was in the day when the news media, newspapers, were independent of government. Now, of course, this is part of the challenge we face. The media and the government have pretty much merged. You see, it's no accident that the very First Amendment to the Constitution is that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Our founding fathers, at least, were serious about freedom. Because we are called by God to be free in Christ. Those are Paul's words, and they are deeply theological words, but they are the bedrock on how our state governments were originally founded. God gives humans freedom. We are made in his image, free to live and think and act. And he gives us in Christ the grace to be at liberty, free from our sins. Now, let's realize that there have always been and always will be those who are opposed to freedom. Paul faced it in the actions of the Judaizers. Uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin, among others, faced it during the Reformation era. But the puzzling reality is that some people prefer tyranny, dictatorship, and control instead of liberty and freedom. Dr. Rustuni, commenting on this some years ago, He said, men fear freedom because it means life and responsibility under God. The appeal of slavery, he wrote, is that it offers a life free of responsibilities. And this is always, he said, the appeal of slavery. Now, the result of that is that there are basically three types of people in the world concerning this matter of freedom and responsibility. And the first two are related. There are those people who have a need to control others. Control freaks, they're sometimes called. But then secondly, there are those who have the need to be controlled. But then thirdly, and before I mention the third one, let me just say that in our time in which we're talking about this right now, the whole world is dominated by the first two categories. We've got people in Positions of massive amounts of power who want to control everything we do. But then we apparently have a very compliant population or populations all across the globe who want to be controlled. But thirdly, they're the people who are free and insist that others should be likewise. So that's the issue regarding freedom, and this is what we should be celebrating on July 4th, is freedom in the biblical sense that our freedoms are guaranteed by God, not by government. Then secondly comes the responsibility side of it. See if you know who said the following things. Listen carefully. Quote, the choice before us is plain, Christ or chaos, conviction or compromise, discipline or disintegration. I am rather tired of hearing about our rights and privileges as American citizens. The time has come, it is now, that we ought to hear about the duties and responsibilities of being citizens. America's future depends upon her accepting and demonstrating God's government. 
And if you're thinking, well, there goes Dr. Roberts quoting R.J. Rushdoony again, you're dead wrong. Those words were uttered by Peter Marshall, uh, the, the son of the famous chaplain of the U.S. Congress. How about these words? Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. When was the last time you heard that on Fox News? Never. Those words were uttered by our founding father, John Adams. And then the philosopher Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You've heard that one many times, I suppose. Now, I could go on with many other quotes like that on this July 4th weekend, but I think best of all is what we have from the Apostle Paul in Holy Scripture. The Apostle understood the indivisible connection between freedom and responsibility. Paul warned the Galatians not to go back to the rituals and the ceremonies of the Talmudic Jewish temple rules. And then he responds to his critics. They were charging him with teaching the Gentiles to indulge themselves in whatever behavior they liked. Now listen again to what he says in verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. I'm reading it from a different translation. He says, you, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And after his long defense of freedom in Christ, he goes right into listing the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of those are things defined by God's law. Freedom and responsibility are two parts of one whole thing. The uh, Scottish historian Alexander Teitler, he was a professor of history at the University of Edinburgh. He died in the year 1813. During his term, he gave a series of lectures on world history, and one of the sets of those lectures was published many, many years ago as a book entitled The Decline and Fall of the Athenian, as in Greek Athenian Republic. And in that book, he chronicles the fall of ancient Greece. And if you take the time to read that book in light of modern-day America, it ought to send a chilling warning to anybody who has their eyes and ears open. Teitler found that the ancient republics and democracies declined under the selfishness of human hearts. And he wrote, and I'm quoting him, The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been around 200 years. Those nations have progressed through the following sequence, according to him. From freedom, excuse me, from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, and from dependency back to bondage. Reminds me of something I I heard some years back, a substitute teacher who taught in the public schools around uh, uh, Washington, D.C. There was an article published in the Washington Post where they had interviewed this man about the depressing experience he'd had while teaching in three advanced government schools, high schools, in and around suburban Washington in Virginia. And these were high class, you know, uh, not just everybody gets to go to these schools kind of places. He decided, he said, in one of his classes to take a poll of his students on the basic question of whether the system of government in these United States was morally superior to that of the then-communist Soviet Union. He said 51 of the 53 high school seniors 
said there was no difference morally between the two. Those children could not morally distinguish between their own nation built on everyone having God-given rights and the other nation at the time that operated for over 70 years on the assumption that there is no God and any rights you have are bestowed upon you by the state. Not coincidentally. The only two children in that class who did comprehend the difference were two Vietnamese children who had come over uh, during the Vietnam boat lifts at the end of the Vietnam War because they had received a valuable education in reality when they experienced the collapse of their homeland into the darkness of totalitarianism. And my friends, that's the road our nation was traveling most of the 20th century and now going full speed as we plow well into the 21st. Our turning away from the principles Paul wrote about in Galatians 5 has given us a society with very little sense of moral responsibility. And the result is that we today live in an America that our forebears would hardly recognize. Now, you may be thinking, oh yeah, well, you know, if George Washington uh, or John Adams uh, could see the drag queen story hours and the the rampant sodomy and all the other evil stuff and what is a woman and can a man get pregnant and all this other crazy stuff. No, no, I, I don't mean they wouldn't recognize us because of our moral corruption. That would be a small factor. Frankly, what they would notice, perhaps more immediately than any of that, is the frightening way government has encroached on personal liberty. In other words, the vanishing, the drying up of the wells of freedom in our society. Here are a series of quotes from the Founding Fathers warning us not to forsake the Bible and its teachings. James Madison, our fourth president and known as the father of the Constitution. I quoted him earlier. Here's a slightly different expanded version of the same quote. He said, We have staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. I wonder if those people who shriek and run out of the room when they hear the name Theonomy or Christian Reconstruction or R.J. Rushdoony, what they make of what James Madison said. John Jay was the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and one of the top three men in the formation of our Constitution. And he said that Americans, now notice this, first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Of course, all, all the Supreme Court and the justice, justices have been in the news quite a bit lately, But he said, Americans should select and prefer Christians, Christians as their rulers. When was the last time you heard a Supreme Court judge say that? When was the last time you heard some so-called conservative president say, elect me because I'm going to appoint the next Supreme Court judge. And by the way, I'll make sure that he's a Christian. I've never heard that in my lifetime. To show that this nation was built on the Bible and Christian principles, listen to what Patrick Henry, that patriot and founding father, wrote concerning our country. And, by the way, Patrick Henry, for those of you who don't know, he was a Presbyterian. He was an elder in a Reformed church. He said, quote, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, 
but on the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And then George Washington said, it is impossible to govern rightly without God and the Bible. Thomas Jefferson, can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that those liberties are the gift of God? And then Jefferson also said, the God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. Friends of mine uh, from upstate New York, they were members of my church there, who, by the way, are moving to South Carolina, they said. They have sold their house in upstate New York, and, uh, you know, the house had to be inspected. And they mentioned to me in a conversation not too long ago that something that is going to have to be addressed is that they live sort of out in the country, and they have a well. They have well water, but a survey was done and found that the well contained bacteria, so the well's going to have to be, I don't know what they're going to have to do, but it has to be cleaned up. And it made me to think, maybe we need to consider the wells of freedom that have been dug over the past 150, 200 years are not very good wells either. Maybe the water in these wells was not the water of freedom tempered by biblical principles of duty and responsibility. And maybe on this July 4th weekend, we need to consider that we don't need to dig any new wells. We call ourselves God's people. Maybe we need to do what our spiritual ancestors in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah did. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1 we read, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in the front of the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which Yahweh had commanded Israel. My friends, the key to these United States being delivered from our current misery is tied directly to the obedience of God's people to his law word. If God is going to bless America, it will not be for the sake of the nation itself. And it certainly won't be because of rainbow flags flying over state houses and government buildings and places of business and drag queen story hours. Remember that when you, are, you want to sing God Bless America. That's what you're asking him to bless. If God is going to bless this country, it won't be for the sake of a secular, secularized nation. He blesses the nation, as he's always done, for the sake of his people. And if we who are called by his name are not fulfilling the conditions of divine blessing, then there's no hope whatsoever for the rest of the nation. On the other hand, and I want to leave you with this. If the church is fit to receive God's blessing, well, the whole nation will be blessed. When the law word of God is proclaimed with power, God will add to his church. And blessings of all kinds will follow. 1 Peter 4.17 tells us that judgment must begin in the household of God. It is equally true that blessings begin with the people of God and it spills over, it pours out from there. And that is the one true hope for our deliverance, our freedom, our liberty, this July 4th weekend. Let us pray.